Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Ah, the sizzle of McDonald's sausage. It's enough to make you crave your favorite breakfasts. Enough to head over to McDonald's. Enough to make you really wish this commercial were scratch and sniff. And if you're a sausage person, now get two satisfyingly savory sausage McGriddles, sausage biscuits, or sausage burritos for just three thirty-three. Or mix and match. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. It is SNY.TV's The Juice on the Cuse podcast, covering Syracuse basketball, lacrosse, and football. Today on The Juice on the Cuse podcast on SNY.TV, we'll be talking about Syracuse's upcoming basketball season and the football team's nosedive. I'm Wes Chang, and I'll be joined later by Brad Bierman, and our guest is ESPN and SNY's Tim Welch. Coach, thanks as always for coming back on the program. Oh, it's great to be with you guys, and uh, can't wait for the season to start earlier than ever this year, which is better than ever, because bring it on, we're ready to go. (laughs) And Coach, I want to get you started on this one. Syracuse is a completely different team this year. Gone are Tyus Battle. O'Shea Brissett, Pasquale Chuku, and Frank Howard. There are five new freshmen and four new starters this year. How do you see Coach Beheim managing a young team like this? Well, I happen to be up there in the uh, middle part of the summer as they were getting ready to go to their trip to Italy, and I got a chance to sit and watch a full practice, which is a treat in the middle of the summer to watch a, a team work out for real. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. Number one, the, the thing that jumped out at me was their overall team speed. I think they are just really fast. They can get up and down the court. They've got a couple of slashing forwards that kind of mirror each other. Uh, I don't think they're going to struggle to score around the basket as they have in the past. I think their forwards are going to be able to get to the basket, get to the free throw line. And and I also think they're going to be able to rebound the ball a lot better just because they're more athletic. They're not as big as they've been maybe in the past, but they're more athletic. They're quicker. They're going to play more of an open floor game, and I think that'll really bode well for them in the fast-breaking and in the rebounding game as well. Coach, Elijah Hughes is Syracuse's top returning scorer at more than 13 points a game, but he was left off some of the preseason ACC teams. Do you think he should have been included, and what kind of season do you think he'll have? <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I did notice that myself, and uh, I'm, I've always been a big Elijah Hughes fan going back to the days when uh, – I covered his team in the conference tournament when he was at East Carolina. He, I think he put up like 25 in the first round against Temple coming in off the bench. 
So he's a, he's a real deal. He's really he's much improved now. It's his third year there, one sit out year, and then last year getting all that experience. So without battle being the focus on the offensive end, and really a lot of things ran through him for set. Things are going to run through him, and I think any coach would tell you this. Probably Jim would echo it as well. You don't really care about it for the preseason. You kind of put that in front of them on the in front of their face a little bit once in a while. Well, listen, nobody thinks much of you, and that's a little bit of a motivator because really no one remembers who was on the preseason all-star team, all-conference team. It's really about how you end up at the end, and I really believe Elijah Hughes is going to have a breakout year for Syracuse. Coach, there are two Syracuse freshmen I wanted to ask you about. Canadian forward Quincy Guerrier and New York State's all-time leading high school scorer Joe Girard III. What kind of careers do you see these two guys having? Well, Guerrier, first and foremost, reminds me of Elijah, Elijah Hughes. He really does. He's a guy that just can play out on the wing, attack the basket. He plays really fast in transition. He's a high-level athlete. He shoots it decent, and I think he'll become a better shooter. I like his form as he works works through his mechanics a little bit and just understands what a good shot is. I'm sure the coaching staff has really been pounding that in to him, and that trip to Italy was really beneficial for all the freshmen. And, uh, I think he's a guy that the fans are going to love because with him and Hughes on the wings, attacking a transition, you've got two high-level finishers and guys that play above the rim. He's tough. He's strong. Uh, he really, when I first saw him, he reminded me just in his body and the way he played out there on the floor of like kind of a young Kawhi Leonard, just that type of player, just a forward that can step out, not a great knockdown shooter, but very capable, but really strong in the lane and strong in transition and plays above the rim. and can go get rebounds out of his area, and that's so important. So I think he's going to be special this year right out of the gate. Gerard is just the guy, you know, he's a weapon that you have. And, you know, I point back to when we were coaching against Jerry McNamara, just the the, right, the really problems he posed as a player because of his deep range and his ability to find that open seam out on the floor. And everybody in the building knew he was the best shooter in the building, but it's still hard to stop a guy like that because they're smart, they're crafty, and Gerard really has really ranged to the, beyond the NBA line and in transition, he's not afraid to take those pull-up shots. And you know, I think Coach is going to let him go this year because he knows he has a special talent and he can't try – can't put a foot on a guy like that because if they lose their confidence, and I don't think this guy would ever lose their confidence. He has 50 points a game in high school, so he's going to be good as well. And you know, when you're playing with other good players that, that want to play fast, you can get lost in the shuffle out there, and then all of a sudden, boom, 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 as we saw Buddy Bayon do last year, all of a sudden you make you knock down three, four threes in a five-minute period, and you can break a game wide open. And you know, with he and Goodine, the two freshmen at the guard spots, they're, they're really special, and I think. Jim's going to be able to rotate, you know, start with Carrie and Buddy and then bring those two guys in and give you a different look and really give guys rest and, and be able to mix and match depending on who's having a good night and, and the opponent out there. So I think that's really a luxury that Syracuse has this year that they haven't had in the past, especially with Gerard, a guy that can really open up the game from way downtown. Coach, Syracuse plays what I think is a really tough early part of the schedule this year on top of the grueling ACC schedule. They'll open against Virginia. They have a non-conference game against Oklahoma State and then Ole Miss or Penn State. They'll play Iowa in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They play another early ACC game against Georgia Tech and, of course, their annual game against Georgetown. Do you like how Jim Beheim is challenging his young squad early on? 
Well, you have to. You really do. I mean, he thinks. I think he thinks he's got a better team than people think, and he knows how good his team could be. And uh, you've got to get him ready. And you know, by playing nobodies in November, December, number one, that doesn't do you any good in March. When if you don't really have a great year in the in the league, then you're really sitting on the bubble. And if you play people, the committee has shown over the last few years that they're going to reward you at the end. I think Syracuse has done that in the last few years. That's why they've been into the tournament, got into the tournament even with around 500 record in conference and. Uh, this year, I think, obviously, going to the 20 games in the league is the first thing you got to look at and say, wow, now we get two more tough nights automatically. And then you add in the, the challenge game against Iowa and then the tournament in New York, where Oklahoma State's much improved. And then, of course, the Georgetown game. Georgetown's picked at the top of the Big East. So Jim really has got his work cut out for him this year. But I think it, it'll help them. It'll really be beneficial. Uh be interesting to see right out of the gate. It's kind of weird playing Virginia on opening night, and uh, but it'll be fun. I think it's exciting, and it's going to be the way it is from now on with the 20 games, so they're going to play one game early. And then, of course, uh, you know, the league is as good as it's ever been. You know, it's, it's younger, of course, because a lot of teams lost key players, but it's still going to be one of the top two or three leagues in, in the country for sure. And Coach, we'll get you out of here on this one. I know it's early, but you've been spot on each time you've been on the program with your predictions. And this is your seventh year coming on with us, if you can believe it. So how is Syracuse going to do this year? You know, if I looked at them on paper, I would say I would have some questions about just experience and really relying on those young kids and how good are they? Are they going to be ready to battle in the ACC? But then when I went out and watched them practice, I was really pleasantly surprised how good they were overall. I thought they've had a lot of depth, they've got a lot of answers, and they can play faster, and I really think they're going to be better than they were a year ago just because last last year they kind of plotted around at times on the offensive end of the floor, and uh, maybe O'Shea and uh, some of the other guys went a little bit too much one-on-one or maybe were thinking about leaving early or whatever. Sometimes it just happens naturally for the team, and it morphs to do something you can't get yourself out of. But now with these young guys, be a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of confidence in themselves. And I know Jim has a lot of confidence in them. So I'm going to get them to the second weekend this year. I think they're going to be in the playing in the Sweet 16. And then once you get there, we all know Jim Beheim is pretty good to get into the final four. But we'll get them to the second weekend, and then we'll, we'll talk then. Coach, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Again, our great friend Tim Welsh from ESPN and SNY. Enjoy the basketball season. We'll speak with you soon. All right. Thanks for having us, and have a great year. Always great analysis from Tim Welsh, one of the best in the business. And I'm now joined over the phone by the Juice Online Editor-in-Chief and my very good friend, Brad Bierman. Brad, how are you today? I'm doing well, Wes. Thank you. Brad, Syracuse football with another disappointing loss, this time to Florida State, 35-17 to on Saturday. The offensive line gave up another seven sacks. That's 42 on the season, which is worse than FBS football. Brad, the offensive line, the passing game, the running game, they're all struggling right now. What do you make of all of this? There are issues to talk about, and boy, it was fitting on that first play from scrimmage, sack Tommy DeVito in the loss to Florida State, ouch, and that really set the tone uh, for everyone in Orange Nation, the coaching staff, the players, the program. It's not just the offensive line, but we'll start with that, Wes. Um, the offensive line, obviously, their injuries are going to happen in football, and I've been saying this you know, for, for the last couple of podcasts we've done during the football season Still simply not enough depth in the program at the key positions on the trenches on both sides of the ball. 
more so on the offensive line than defensive line, in the pipeline, in the recruiting classes. So when you have injuries, you have to move players from tackle to guard or replace a center. It really creates havoc when you just don't have experienced players, players that have gotten enough reps in-game and live action uh, in the program, especially at the ACC level. It's one thing when you're playing Liberty, Western Michigan, and then FCS teams like Holy Cross this year. It's a completely different level in the ACC when you're going up against the Clemsons, Florida States, all of the state programs, Miami, Pitt, and BC. So it's certainly the offensive line not being able to execute the very fast Syracuse pace of offensive season when they've adjusted during the game, had some rollouts, shorter passes, and have some time to throw. You can see this year, you know, what the potential is. It's simply been far uh, in between happening, uh, you know, for the offense. But there are other issues to talk about. Time management by Dino Babers uh, in the Florida State game. A lot of question marks late in the first half. Is he managing the game well? Uh, is he using his timeouts? Is he designing plays when they have the ball to get out of bounds? Really a time management issue that I question uh, it, it, late in the first half against Florida State. And there have been other occasions where that's cropped up during the season. The other big one is penalties. I put penalties all on the head coach. That's about discipline. So for any football program in college, in the NFL, penalties to me are on the head coach because you have to establish discipline. You have to make sure your assistant position coaches are working with each unit to make sure everybody is mentally on the same page. And nothing worse for a team that's struggling to shoot itself in the foot and have more unforced errors in a game in which you're struggling to compete. And the other thing that stands out to me is, you know, we're not seeing the Lou Groza award winner and kicker Andre Schmidt this year. To me, he's kind of struggled. He does have two misses, has missed an extra point. And the field goal in the Florida State game, you know, I'm not going to say that was going to be a difference in beating the Seminoles, but Certainly at that point in the game to go in with six points instead of three, Florida State then scored to go up 21-3. It had an effect from that standpoint, and we're certainly missing Mr. Reliable Andre Schmidt as a kicker. So there's three other issues to add to the offensive line, Wes, and we know what that's added up to, a three-and-five season, no wins over a Power 5 team, and still the only team in the ACC without a conference victory. Brad, you just mentioned it. Syracuse is 3-5 and five overall and 0-4 in the ACC, the only team in the ACC left without a conference win. Syracuse hosts Boston College this Saturday, one of four games they have left. Brad, is there any way Syracuse can salvage its season and make a bowl game, or is it time to focus on basketball? I'm afraid it's, it's the latter because Syracuse cannot win on the road in the ACC. <laughs> Five and 17 since coming into the league in 2013. And unfortunately, two of the remaining four games are on the road at Duke and Louisville. So I, I don't know. I don't think so. Certainly the track record suggests that they won't. I know early on a, a favorite at home against BC, they should you know, be able to beat BC. I thought they should be able to handle Pitt in the dome and, you know, came close, but we're not able to. And, I really I don't think it's going to happen, Wes, based on the, the the track record of road games in the ACC and the fact that two of the four remaining are on the road. And then the other factor is it's not probably going to be very loud house 
uh, in the Dome for the BC and Wake Forest game occurring on Thanksgiving weekend uh, based on you know what's transpired and fans not using their season tickets. Brad, you always bring the historical perspective in your weekly Orange Watch com. So I wanted to get your take on this year's football team. Has there ever been a more disappointing team relative their, to their preseason aspirations as this year's team? Because you look at the 2019 team, they were ranked in the top 25 to start the season. They were looked at by some as playing in a New Year's Six game. You've been covering Syracuse Athletics for five decades now. So where does this team rank in terms of overall disappointment? The first year that came to mind, Wes, was the 1993 team that did finish over 500, 6-4-1, and one, but did not go to a bowl game, quarterbacked by Marvin Graves. And interesting about that, Marvin Graves was the bowl game MVP in 1990, 91, and 92. So he had a chance for a rarity to be a bowl game MVP for all four seasons. So the 90 team, Coach Mack's last team, won the bowl game in Hawaii. Coach P takes over in 91, beat Kirk Herbstreet in Ohio State in the bowl game in Tampa. And then the great 92 team that beat Colorado in the Fiesta Bowl out in Tempe. So all of the expectations for 93, Marvin Graves' senior season, you know, one of the all-time great Syracuse quarterbacks, and they ended up not even going to a bowl. So Marvin Graves didn't even have an opportunity to compete to be a bowl game MVP for four straight years. So when I think about the 2019 season, the record season tickets, the 10 wins at 18 and preseason pick number two in the ACC, I go back to 93 and that's probably the closest comparison and certainly in the, in the dome era that I can think of. Brad, we are right at the end of our show. Your closing thoughts. Well, we all know there's going to be a new roof put on the dome uh, come next March to through the summer of 2020 West, but, I have a weather report. It's going to be raining inside the Dome for the 1920 season. Raining threes, that is, certainly if any indication off one preseason game against Damon College with the new three-point line moving out to the international distance to kind of open up space underneath in the college game. And so many great shooters for Syracuse, both returning and freshman uh, newcomers that, that expect to see a lot of three-point entertainment for the upcoming basketball season. That's my final thought. And Brad, my closing thoughts are on the student-athletes at Syracuse University. For the second time in three years, eight Syracuse teams posted perfect 100% graduate success rates, and the athletics department as a whole recorded a 93% GSR, which is the highest rate in history. Really impressive stuff. Congratulations to all the Orange on their academic successes. That's it for us for Brad Bierman. This is Wes Chang reminding you that there are so many logistical nightmares and so few logistical dreams. You've been listening to the Juice on the Cues podcast on SNY.TV, and we'll see you next time. This has been the Juice on the Cues podcast, part of the SNY.TV audio network. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion.